Empire. I'm here with Tark Elbashir at the owners' meetings. Tark, of course, covers the Redskins for the Athletic. And so what I want to do first in this first segment, we're going to go a couple different things here. Um, in a few minutes, we're going to get to takeaways from Jay Gruden's breakfast with reporters and things that he said and things that jumped out. I want to give listeners a little bit of an insight into what actually takes place at the owners' meetings. Uh, well, it, it really is a trade convention for everyone involved in football, even for the media. Um, you know, from a, from a technical side, there's a lot of discussion about the game, about uh, rule changes that are being proposed. And that's a lot of stuff that we don't get to see as reporters. So those are behind closed doors. That's those are owners, general managers, coaches. They debate the merits of whether to expand instant replay, for example. That's been a big uh, topic of debate at these owner owners' meetings. But for the rest of the folks, and especially media folk, of a scam. We get to have a lot of time, a lot of fun out here. It's always at a nice resort, but more importantly, it's a chance to, to network. And like I said, it's a it's a trade convention where you know you see someone that may be able to help you in a couple of weeks on something that you're thinking about working on, and you want to make sure the cell phone number you got from them seven years ago is still their cell phone number. They might have changed teams. It's a chance for them to catch up, you know, for you to catch up with them, and and um, and you also say hello and. Get in front of people that you may have to call on later during the year, and you just saw them a few months ago, so you're fresh in their mind. And, and that's the good point because it's funny. Sometimes you get out here and you think, like, what? I don't. I need to get a story. I need to get a story. And then people remind you, it's also about FaceTime out here. But the other thing too, with like, I'll compare this to the combine. And the combine has gotten so big that it's it's become so crowded. I think it's hard to always get what you want. And the coaches and the teams seem to be a little bit more have a little bit more anxiety and, and pressure to do things right now whereas here it's arizona it's sunny it's 80 degrees these guys are golfing they're relaxed do you notice a difference when you're dealing do you see the difference i mean i think i see the difference but do you see that difference a hundred percent i you know i i covered the combine um back in uh indianapolis and everyone there is uptight it's a it's more of like a business uh gathering uh you know it's an important part of the process of recruiting prospects to your organization i'll give you an example the four days i was in indianapolis i didn't talk to jay gruden one time except for his official availability out here in arizona I've talked to him three or four times. I bumped into him in the hotel lobby. I ran into him at a, a party last night. Um, we talked to him for 63 minutes today. I mean, that's the equivalent of what, like a week and a half during the regular season. I mean, we, by the end, we were all kind of looking at each other like, we're out of questions. <laughs> We've asked him about every single player on the roster pretty much. And, you know, it's funny too, because like at the combine, I mean, you, there's a lot of hanging around the lobby at, at the hotel there by the Starbucks, yeah. okay? But here, like, at the Combine, it's like, you know, you get your guys, but the jostling for position for guys is at the bars. And people go out, like, what well, you don't know, at the, like, a lot of times the coaches don't go out to the bars until, like, midnight. So you end up staying out really late there because some people want FaceTime at the bar and just to talk to them or whatever. Those bars become so crowded that it's kind of a pain in the ass. Here, it's all about the lobby. And, you know, or you're sitting on the patio, and it's nice out. And then they're, hey, here comes Jay. I can talk to him. Or here comes, you know, Matt LaFleur. And I bumped into him and said hello, you know. So I think, like, I kind of like that. Well, you know, the folks are more relaxed. I mean, this is more of like a vacation. I mean, I, I would, if I had to guess, I mean, 
75% of the front office members and coaches have their wives and children here. So it's a bit of a vacation for them. So they're they're naturally a little bit more relaxed. I mean, I don't know. If I had my wife and kids out here, I'd be more like, you know, I'd have more anxiety and probably a little more frustration and anger if I was sharing a hotel room with, with two teenagers and my wife. But for the most part, I, I'm just joking. Um, for the most part, it seems like everyone is a little bit more relaxed. And it's important when you do this job because there are so many things and so many times you have to call on someone about something sensitive to do your job properly it's important to have a relation a baseline relationship with that person because if you don't that text message is going on um on you know they're not going to respond to it if you know them and they and and you've cultivated a relationship with them when it goes down am i allowed to say that on your podcast um and you got to send a text message they'll respond the other thing is like the big thing is the breakfast so there's in the past just for people listening in the past it used to be tuesday morning would be afc or nfc and then the other division would go on the wednesday well a couple years ago um the afc went on the tuesday and some of the nfc coaches went later that afternoon so they could get out of town so now they push it so everybody goes tuesday so you get this big ballroom full and there's what 32 tables and you get people at every table and so you know you're sitting there with your with the coach of your team for a while it used to be you could bounce around and like if the redskins like in the past you'd go talk to the giants coach about what did the redskins get in landon collins well now you're sticking with jay gruden because you can't bounce around as much so it's it, but it is it's a good way to get stuff but it's, it's funny to watch the different tables I also feel like over the years, John, and you've been doing this a long time, as as have I, uh, the, the business has changed. I mean, now, like, if you are the Redskins beat writer, it's no, they're no longer interested in your take on what's happening with the AFC North or what's happening. They're, the, the business has expanded. People have their special roles now. And for the most part, it, our jobs is to know every single thing that's going on with the Washington Redskins. And that is why, you know, it, like you said, in years past, I might have listened to Jay Gruden for the first 20 minutes, then hopped up and gone and talked to John Gruden, and then run over and listened to Pat Shermer. But you can't do that anymore. Now it's your job to know inside and out everything. And you just can't leave the table just in case something is said that you miss. Because, again, things are, things are changing a little bit. You know, the other thing that you get, that we get here now, I know this, you know, these two words are words that will cause a lot of Redskins fans angst, but Bruce Allen, we get to, what did you think I was going to say? Albert Hainsworth. Oh, no, that, no, no. But, I, you know, we, all, we both know what fans are saying about yeah. Bruce Allen. He knows what fans are saying about Bruce Allen. But at the, at the Combine, at the Senior Bowl, he'll talk to the, to the reporters. He'll have a little press conference. Here, he does one-on-ones. Yeah. So, um, and it's obviously a relaxed setting. And just so you know, like, the one thing we've learned with Bruce Allen over the years is he, he can stay on message. So I know people want to have him say this. They want him to say this, that. They want you to get him on this or that. He can't be gotten. He's really, he's really, you know, he's a, he is a politician in that regard. But, you know, sometimes you can get some things. And I, you know, we all had our 10 minutes with him. Um, and, you know, some of the things like, you know, for me, I'm asking about quarterbacks. Um, at, you know, do you feel you have to get one there? We've all asked that. He says, no, you don't. But I know one of the things you talked to him about is for a story you have coming up in The Athletic on all the Alabama guys. And it's funny because I wrote a story on 
them getting all these Alabama guys in June. And since then, it's like it's they're like rabbits. They just multiply. So why don't you tell me a little bit if you can share a little bit about sure. about that part? Well, first of all, I, I, I want to echo what you just said about Bruce Allen. He is the consummate politician. Uh, I mean, I tried my best. I had five or six good questions, and he dancy tiptoes around them. And if he doesn't like your question. If he doesn't like your question, it's just answer a different question. And you're like, and you're starting inside. You're like, that's not what I asked. But you, do, but you, you don't want to say that because he's still talking, and you're kind of, yeah, he kind of runs up the clock a little bit on you. But um, you know, I the, the one thing I I would want, I do want to say is he's made himself a lot more accessible this off season as opposed to you know the previous couple of years, which I think. Um, fans and media should be thankful for because you know even if he doesn't give you all the insight that you're looking for, it's better to hear from the team's president rather than not hear. And it's also holding someone accountable because I can sit there and ask him, and I did. I like, why should you? You know, do you feel like you're doing the good job? And he's like, we're seven and nine. Now you may not be the answer you want to hear. You might you want to hear him say well, no, I'm not. But he question. got asked that question, so there is a level of accountability. So, anyways. Yeah. Um, back to the Alabama story. So, I, people have written the story before, but it, it, in the past, in the past, yeah, in the past six to twelve months, I mean, it's 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 permeated every aspect of their player acquisition um, um, operation. They have drafted players in the first round. They've drafted players in the second round, all from Bama. They have traded for Haha Clinton Dix. They signed Landon Collins to a uh, eighty-four million dollar contract. I mean. They could have six starters on defense next year from Alabama, five of whom all played together on the 2015 national title uh, uh, championship team. Um, and you can, and I, I've been told by a number of people with the Redskins, well, you know, it's not like we're just targeting Alabama. And I'm like, okay, but you know what it looks like. <laughs> it does. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's remarkable. And I, I, you know, I think people will enjoy the story. It's, it's a long read. I've been reporting it for about a week. I've talked to probably upwards of a dozen people at this point. And it's been fun to report. Um, I, I'm actually, I have Elias and some other people looking into the numbers that really crunched the numbers for me uh, today. So I can, I'm going to work on it tomorrow a lot. Um, just, you know, how do the nine players that are currently on the roster now, if you count uh, Ruben Foster, uh, who's not technically on the roster, but uh, will be, uh, you know, that's the most of any college on one team. I mean, it's, I, I, I want some more historical perspective because it's pretty amazing. I mean, they've got six potential starters um, and then they got two on offense. Um, so, so I'm sorry, eight, it's eight players, eight players, but I mean, that's just, that's remarkable. It's it, it, and you know and you're an, I know you're an Ohio State guy. It's almost like the Saints and the Ohio State. You know I was looking at their roster. That's all they get is Ohio State. They have like six or seven of them. Yeah, yeah. And my son, my son does go to Alabama, so I'm familiar with these guys. So, but what do you like? What do they say about what kind of culture is created? Do you think because of all those guys? Well, the the experts uh, and and people that I've talked to have said it, it boils down to one thing: it's how Nick Saban coaches them and how the way you know he was a former professional coach, so he coaches um, hard, uh, probably a little harder than than maybe players would get coached at other SEC schools. The 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 systems on both offense and defense are pro style systems. Um, but one thing that I found interesting and kind of a common thread that's been told to me from a number of players is you can't let down for a minute when you are at Alabama. It's almost like when you're in the pros, even if you are the starter, unless you are Josh Norman or Landon Collins, there's a dude who's behind you who wants 
to outplay you and take your job. And that's a hard adjustment for a lot of players to make when they get to the pros, not for Alabama, because you're a five-star with a five-star behind you and a five-star behind him. You know, it's funny, uh, one, one story Jonathan Allen told me was, uh, you know, he had a pretty good freshman year. Didn't play a whole lot, but, had, but had a boom. when he was in there, he played well. Well, Deshaun Hand showed up that summer. <laughs> so you, know, you think you think you're doing pretty good, and you're you know you're a big man on campus, and you're walking around. And you're like, I played pretty well last year, and they just got the number one recruit at your position <laughs> right behind you. Now you're like, uh oh, now you're sitting up straight, and you're showing up 20 minutes early to your workout sessions, and you want to keep your starting job, and that's how it is in the pros. And um, I think uh, um, that is part of what kind of steals the nerves of of an Alabama player. Excellent. Again, that's going to be running sometime in the next few days in the athletics. So now we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, I want Tark's main takeaway from Gruden's breakfast. Breakfast and Tark, I you know I've talked, I've said some of my stuff about what I thought about what he said earlier in the in the podcast. So I want to get from you your number one takeaway from Jay Gruden's breakfast. Well, I, I want to start off by, by telling you a little story. Um, every, everyone was getting their recorders ready and their questions ready to, to uh, you know for getting ready for Jay Gruden's arrival. And I said, you know what, I probably have three minutes here to go get a bagel and some bacon. I was like, because we didn't know how long he was going to talk. I was hungry. My stomach was rumbling. So I ran up and got a bagel. And as it was getting toasted, someone taps me on the shoulder. It's Jay. He's like, where, you know, where am I supposed to sit? <laughs> so I would have missed. I would have missed the first couple of minutes had he not stopped. That story is that they were putting the breakfast stuff away early, so the breakfast didn't come out until oh, about time. Hungry. Yeah. We were, so like the breakfast stuff didn't come out. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. It's a free breakfast, but. It is a really good breakfast, but it came out when the coaches were starting. It was being put away as they were ending, so there's really no – so that's why that was a good move because for that reason. Now, there you go. So this is a podcast, so you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm pointing to my head like that meme that you've all seen on uh, on, on social media. But, yeah, I, I, I had a number of takeaways from um, uh, what Jay said. And, you know, number one, I would say the past couple of weeks, there have been a few reports that have been out there that he needed to address. You know, given that they've been out there for a little while, he had some time to kind of think about what he wanted to say, but he he, he didn't, he dismissed both of them. Number one, it was he was not involved in the free agents, the pursuit of um, the free agents that they have uh, gone after, namely Landon Collins. And he was like, no, for sure I was in on that. He was ranked number one on my board, just like everyone else's board. Landon Collins, we all graded as our number one prospect. So I was, oh, for sure, for sure. You know. I think every coach in here, if you really pull them, they, they probably want total control, but there's only probably one of them in here that has it, right? So no coach is going to be totally, everybody has their opinions, but at the end of the day, we give our reports, we give our recommendations, we have our say. Um, guys are signed. We're happy with the guys we signed. We're going to coach whoever's on our football team. So uh, in a perfect world, you know, sure, I'd like to have total control, but I don't. That's just not my position, and I, and I accept that, and our coaches accept that, and um, every decision we make is a unified decision. We're all on the same team, and 
all on board and, and uh, all accept it and we'll all work hard to make it work. I think you and I both know when that report came out that it was there was a little BS to it and that you know he had told us a number of times, hey, I'm watching, I'm looking at all the film of all the quarterbacks that, that are available. I'm looking at this. So you know that he's part of it. You know, he followed it up by saying, look, you know, I'm the chef. You know, I, I don't shop for the groceries. Uh, there's very few people in this in, in, in this business that have total control of the roster. He said there might be one coach in this room when we're during this break. He was like, there might be one coach in this room who has that kind of control. His brother. <laughs> the guy who's won, what, six Super Bowls? Yeah. He has some control, too. It, his, his brother, brother does, too. <laughs> when you have a 10-year deal, a 10 million year, you have control. Right. So, you know, by him shooting that down, I think that should to dispel – Look, there's a lot of reasons you can criticize the the, the, the workflow and the, the structure of the Redskins front office, but that one struck me as odd and probably inaccurate right when it came out, and to have him come out and just basically say that's not the case, that was important. And maybe lack some context, too, to it, because I think um, there's some things that it's good to be able to talk to a variety of people to get the full picture, and also, like, because you also have to know, like, was this accurate, or was this, um, are these times where somebody's saying something, and I'm not raining anybody's prey or whatever, or not prey, but on their reports necessarily, but... You know, there's always context is always good. And then, like, when does somebody say something? Why are they saying it? And, you know, what, what's, the, you know, what's the context for them? And I don't doubt for a minute, and I addressed this last week, but I don't doubt for a minute that there's frustration on his end. I mean, he's, he's got to win. He has to win. So if you want, if you have to win, then, you know, there's a different pressure. You want more say. You want the communication lines to be but, but But that report was thrown out there, like, Landon Collins showed up and Jay Gruden right. was called, just like the media was about Correct. it. Now, and I also know that sometimes in talking to people, too, like, sometimes there are, there are some reports where, like, the guy in the room is Eric Schaefer doing the contract. So you're dealing with the agent, and then he's going to let Bruce Allen know when it's done. And then the agent could get something out before maybe it filters to throughout the building. And, you know, I think ideally you'd like it to go from, you know, if Eric is it, Bruce and Jay know until you know, because it's not a good look if you find out before. But there's he absolutely knew the deal was was there. So. Well, uh, my second takeaway was another um, report that, that he, he addressed, and that was Josh Norman's future. Um, there was a report out there the other day that said that his future was a bit tenuous in Washington, that some coaches and even members of the front office were ready to see him move on. And Gruden said, not, not so fast. He's a physical guy. He's a competitive guy. I think Josh is at his best when he's challenged, when he's really challenged by the great ones. You know, I think you see him step up when he gets the match with Odell and and he gets to run around the field. You know, he's a very competitive guy. Um, and I think adding Coach Ray Horton to the mix, uh, coaching the secondary, he'll push him and challenge him every day. And uh, it'll be fun to watch these guys go at it. So he's got a skill set that we still like. I think he's a productive guy. He's a sure tackler, uh, physical, fits in that mode that we're trying to get. Um, but I still think he's going to help us in a big way. He's an important part of our defense, and we're better with him than without him. Can he play better? Has he been the all-pro that we signed from, from Carolina? No, he can, he can be better. Ray Horton, the new DB's coach, um, Gruden said he thinks he's going to challenge Josh, and Josh is going to respond to that challenge. But um, the fact that uh, you know, there was a report out there that he may be on his way out the door, it seems like that's, that's not happening. And, and like, even with that one, there are, listen, Josh makes four, he's going to count fourteen point five million against the cap. There are absolutely people in the organization who would say we should cut him now because is he at that level? But there's also people who will say like what Jay did, which is 
yeah, he's a, now he, you also have to, you know, from a coach's perspective, they don't care about the money a guy's making. They care, can this guy help me win on the field? So there are going to be dual, it is, and there's dual um, um, responsibilities going on here or dual opinions, whatever, whatever. I, losing the phrase in my head, but that is an important distinction, like you said, and so I think that that's where, because I knew at the end of the season, like, his thought was, you have Quentin Dunbar coming off a leg injury, you have, you know, Fabian Rose, he's he's good, he was good inside, so you want to keep him there, but you don't have anything beyond there that is proven, so now getting Dominique Rogers-Camardi gives him some insurance there, but his contract is not such that it's like he's an automatic, he's not an automatic here, because the contract, if you cut him, you don't lose anything, so... You know, yes, Norman's expensive, but then you have to go replace him. Who is that with? Right now, they don't have that. He's also reliable. He's reliable. He's physical. Um, you know, he's a he's a quality starter in this league. Is he a star like he was again? Like I said in 2015, no, he hasn't quite lived up to that billing. But for every player you cut, you've got to go and get a player who is equally as good or better, or you're going the other direction. Right. Ten plus. Right. And ten and ten million plus. So you got one on your roster. For the most part, um, you know he's comfortable here, um, and and I think he's going to be an important contributor in 2019. One of the other things was the receivers that he was when he was talking about them, and the one one that jumped out to me, and like he clearly said they need more bodies. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. And whether or not you know Josh Dox, we've all been waiting for it. Just go show it, for God's sake. You know, I'm not going to play the game of... And stop the taunting penalties, for God's sake. At, when you're losing. <laughs> when you're losing. But, you know, like, go show it or whatever. But I don't want to sit there and get into the whole, this could be Josh Doxon's year because you got to go show it, okay? But having said that, the other guy that I think sometimes gets lost a little bit here is Paul Richardson. And the one thing that he talked about, too, with him is that they never really saw him healthy. And so because he was he hurt that shoulder like the second week of training camp and then he hurt his knee. So like he was never the guy they hoped. And I think it seems like like he always gets a little twinkle in his eye when he talks about Paul Richards. He does. And for good reason. Uh, he, he's a good player. and He's got a lot of speed. And that's exactly what they're missing. Uh, he's got good hands, too. Um, getting a guy like Paul Richardson back is going to be almost like a free agent free agent signing. Because they, like you said, I mean, they only had him for a few weeks there, and he was a diminished product. I mean, you know, he, he had a bum shoulder, and his knee was starting to bother him, and he wasn't able to perform the way uh, anyone had expected, so they shut him down. Uh, getting him back is going to be like getting him for the first time, really, uh, because, like you said, he, was, he wasn't even 100% during training camp. So uh, I, I, th- I think he is going to bring an added dimension to the team. Um, Trey Quinn... Uh, he spoke. Jay Gruden spoke very highly of him. I want to see a little bit more before I'm ready to say he's ready to step in and be uh, Jamison Crowder. I don't buy that just yet, uh, but I did. But you know, I, Gruden, he's forgotten more football than I know, and he's got a pretty high opinion of Trey Quinn. So I, I'm anxious to see it. He does, and um, and you know, Cam Sims, I think, will be an interesting guy. I don't know where he's going to be. Another Alabama. <laughs> there you go. In the athletic soon. Um, and just for – because since I'm plugging you, I'm going to plug the story that I'm writing too on quarterbacks on Thursday on ESPN, which is basically about um, Gruden and, you know, um, the situation he's in, needing to win. Can you wait for – can you really go get a guy? Do you have to develop a guy? Oh, he, he did. So that's something on ESPN on Thursday. But with the receiver, you know, with the receivers leads to me to tight ends and some of the predictability in the offense that he was talking about 
with those sets. And it just seems like I wonder if Kevin O'Connell can make a difference. And I, Jay clearly went over that stuff because he, he was the one talking about when you have this guy in the game, this guy in the game, this pairing in the game, it's usually this, it's usually this, it's usually this. The tendencies become heavy. They do. I mean, it became pretty obvious to even people who aren't, you know, really versed on the X's and O's of football. When Jeremy Sprinkle comes in the in the game, it's going to be a run probably to that side. I mean, you, you knew what was coming. Now, you know, I, I also found it interesting that he said that Matt Cavanaugh is going to be like a senior senior vice president of quality control. That's almost kind of what he what he said. He's going to be in a role of like of an advisory role where he's going to be, you know, kind of observing what everyone to the regional manager (laughs) he's gonna be observing what everyone is doing and you hope that i mean they got a lot of guys in that in that uh in that offensive coaching room there's a lot of guys there more so than i you know it's funny when when they when they made the move to keep kavanaugh and bump o'connell up i started flipping through um the front offices and coaching staffs uh, around the league to see you know how that compared they got more people. I mean, they, they have almost one extra body than, than most teams do. They had that when Joe Gibbs was here. Um, it's Donnie Bro, who yeah. was a player, but he was basically an overseer when he was here. And exactly. I think might do it's exactly what he's going to do. And I think, like, what Gruden was talking about, too, is about, you know, helping him with, you know, clock stuff. And so I think if he can help him with the details of, of a lot of this part of the job, I think Jay needs that. And so I think that could be that could be a good move. And I also think that the players on offense will like playing for O'Connell more than they did Kavanaugh. So the other the lad, a lot of energy. He he does. And I think he's you know, he's gonna incorporate some college type things and you know, or just some maybe new fangle offensive ideas. And I think that like the jet this is a minor thing, but the jet action from last year within the gun was a result of O'Connell. Um, that was one of his inputs. So the last thing, the last thing I wanted to um, talk about, and this is a quarterback issue, but Colt McCoy. After talking to Gruden here, we saw the video of him at the race, the IndyCar race on crutches. He just had a minor surgery, minor procedure, I should say, um, that I think it'll hold him back probably through phase, middle of phase two. I think uh, for OTAs, he should be good to go as far as practices are concerned. Um, but it's nothing serious. I think what happened was when he had the injury, we were aggressive trying to get him back on the field so fast that we probably didn't give it time enough to heal the right way. So they went back in and did a small procedure to make sure that thing is on track to be full strength by the season. Do you have any concerns about him going forward? I'm more concerned about his GI tract. Um, you know, we heard about <laughs> Gruden joked that he drinks unpasteurized milk, raw milk. I'm pretty sure that's not even healthy. Like, I'm pretty sure it has like bacteria or something, and you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to drink it that way. But he said, you know, that was kind of a joke. Uh, Gruden said he's been drinking a gallon of um, unpasteurized milk for as long as he's known him, and he said he's super weird, but that's going to give him strong bones. Look, I, I I'm not concerned. Um, I, I think Colt McCoy, you know, knows the system inside and out. He's not losing a whole lot if he misses the first four weeks of OTAs, you know, the, the, the three practices a week. Um, you know, the, the, the question is going to be, and it has, it always has been is, can he keep his body together, you know, even long enough to hold off Case Keenum? Because regardless of what they do, I shouldn't say regardless, because if they were to go like, do I go out and get Josh Rosen? He's your starter. If they draft someone at 15, he might be the starter. If that, if neither one of those scenarios happen, I think Keenum beats out McCoy. I think I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think, and, um, uh, you would hope that Colt is 100% so he can at least, you know, 
give that old college try and, and make it a really good competition because, you know, I, I think, again, if it's one of those two, you want them battling neck and neck all the way to the, to the finish line because that's going to make them both better. Absolutely. I would have ended just on the whole pasteurized milk thing because the image in my head is just, it's terrible. It is, it is really gross, but Jay got a question I see. Oh, of I almost, I was going to text him during that for that reason. Like, what are you thinking? You know, but anyways, Tark, appreciate you joining me. And this has been a fun time out here. Thanks for listening, folks.